Let's again pray. Lord, as we come now to open Your Word, as we see the house of David divided in the pages of Scripture, Lord, we would ask that we would not be foolish as Rehoboam and Jeroboam were. That we would not reject the King that You have sent, the Lord Jesus Christ. Lord God, we ask that You open our hearts and our minds up to Your Word this morning by way of Your Holy Spirit. Give us understanding this day and we ask and pray that as Your Word goes forth, it would go forth with the power of Your Holy Spirit to save Your elect, to further sanctify Your saints. And yes, O Lord, to condemn the reprobates in their wickedness. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. If you're able to remain standing, please remain standing. Take your copies of God's Word and turn with me to 1 Kings chapter 12. First Kings chapter 12, we'll begin at verse 1 and we'll read through verse 24. Hear now the word of God, it is infallible, it is inerrant, it is God speaking to us, so let us pay close attention. Rehoboam went to Shechem, for all Israel had come to Shechem to make him king. And as soon as Jeroboam, the son of Nebat, heard of it, for he was still in Egypt, where he had fled from King Solomon. Then Jeroboam returned from Egypt. And they sent and called him. And Jeroboam and all the assembly of Israel came and said to Rehoboam, Your father made our yoke heavy. Now therefore lighten the hard service of your father and his heavy yoke on us and we will serve you. He said to them, Go away for three days then come again to me. So the people went away. Then King Rehoboam took counsel with the old men who had stood before Solomon, his father, while he was yet alive, saying, How do you advise me to answer this people? And they said to him, If you will be a servant to this people today and serve them and speak good words to them when you answer them, then they will be your servants forever. But he abandoned the counsel that the old men gave him. And took counsel with the young man who had grown up with him and stood before him. And he said to them, what do you advise that we answer this people who have said to me, lighten the yoke that your father put on us. And the young man who had grown up with him said to him, thus shall you speak to this people who said to you, your father made our yoke heavy, but you lighten it for us. Thus you shall say to them, my little finger is thicker than my father's loins. And now, whereas my father laid on you a heavy yoke, I will add to your yoke. My father disciplined you with whips, but I will discipline you with scorpions. So Jeroboam and all the people came to Rehoboam the third day, as the king said, Come to me again the third day. 
The king answered the people harshly, and forsaking the counsel that the old men had given him, he spoke to them according to the counsel of the young men, saying, My father made your yoke heavy, but I will add to your yoke. My father disciplined you with whips, but I will discipline you with scorpions. So the king did not listen to the people, for it was a turn of affairs brought about by the Lord that he might fulfill his word. Which the Lord spoke by Ahijah the Shilonite to Jeroboam the son of Nebat. And when all Israel saw that the king did not listen to them, the people answered the king, What portion do we have in David? We have no inheritance in the son of Jesse. To your tents, O Israel. Look now to your own house, David. So Israel went to their tents, but Rehoboam reigned over the people of Israel who lived in the cities of Judah. Then King Rehoboam sent Adoram, who was taskmaster, over the forced labor, and all Israel stoned him to death with stones. And King Rehoboam hurried to mount his chariot to flee to Jerusalem. So Israel has been in rebellion against the house of David to this day. When all Israel heard that Jeroboam had returned, they sent and called him to the assembly and made him king over all Israel. There was none that followed the house of David, but the tribe of Judah only. When Rehoboam came to Jerusalem, he assembled all the house of Judah and the tribe of Benjamin, 180,000 chosen warriors to fight against the house of Israel to restore the kingdom to Rehoboam, the son of Solomon. But the word of God came to Shemaiah, the man of God. Say to Rehoboam, the son of Solomon, king of Judah, and to all the house of Judah and Benjamin, and to the rest of the people, thus says the Lord, you shall not go up or fight against your relatives, the people of Israel. Every man return to his home, for this thing is from me. So they listened to the word of the Lord and went home again, according to the word of the Lord. The grass withers and the flower Fades away, but the word of our God endures forever. You may be seated. Last Sunday morning, we looked at 1 Kings 11, the rest of it, verses 26 through 43, and we saw God dividing Israel as a nation. God sent a prophecy by way of the prophets. That Jeroboam would come and reign. That he would be king over the ten northern tribes. We looked at two lessons we learned from that text. But we also saw grace over judgment. And then we heard the last word on Solomon. He died. He was buried. He slept with his fathers. And Rehoboam, his son, reigned in his place. And so this morning we see a house divided. Israel as a nation has been divided into two. The ten northern tribes, as we read of this morning, they are, they are going to forsake the house of David and follow Jeroboam. The two southern tribes of Judah and Benjamin, but only Judah is mentioned because, again, Benjamin is just not that important. 
They will follow Rehoboam and the house of David. And we know this, a house divided cannot stand. We find Israel is on the brink of civil war. Why? God is judging them because of their idolatry. He is judging them because they are worshiping the false gods of the peoples that they should have completely eradicated from the land when they took the land. And so this division from the house of David will have disastrous consequences for Israel. Consequences that are still being felt to this very day. But God will not forget his promises to David. Nor to the family of David and his house. And so there are three things I want us to notice. First, uh, notice in our text. The first is Jeroboam's challenge. His challenge to the king. Now that king is Rehoboam. The son of Solomon. The grandson of David. The rightful heir to Israel's Throne. And so in 1 Kings 12, we have Rehoboam's first move as king. He goes to Shechem to do what? Well, to bring all of Israel together under his consolidated power. Now, what was Shechem? It was a, a city of historical significance. Shechem was the, very, was the first city that Abraham visited in the promised land. It was the place where the bones of Joseph were buried where Joshua renewed God's covenant with Israel and where Abimelech was crowned as king. But Shechem was also in the very heart of the northern tribes. And so Rehoboam goes there uh, to consolidate his power. We read in verses 2 through 4 and as soon as Jeroboam the son of Nebat remember he had been in Egypt after the prophecy given to him, as we saw last week, Solomon heard what was going to transpire and tried to kill Jeroboam. And so Jeroboam fled to Egypt. But now he hears that Solomon is dead. And so he returns from Egypt. And he challenges the sitting king. Now understand, this is the will of God. God is acting in judgment against Solomon and his people. And so Rehoboam has taken the throne. It is time now for Jeroboam to come home and to issue a direct challenge upon the authority of Rehoboam. And he does so. Jeroboam and all the assembly of Israel came and said to Rehoboam, your father made our yoke heavy. Now therefore lighten the hard service of your father and his heavy yoke on us and we will serve you. And he said to them, go away for three days and come to me again. So the people went away. So Jeroboam, he came with this large delegation and a, and a long list of demands. He speaks for the northern tribes. They wanted better working conditions. They wanted higher pay, lower taxes, more vacation time. They didn't like the labor that they were being put under. The harsh conditions. 
And so what does Jeroboam do? He's making a power play. He's making a play for the throne. He's trying to provoke a conflict. And so he criticizes the old regime. And Jeroboam had no intention of submitting to the rule of God's anointed king. He was not going to submit to the rule of Rehoboam. And Jeroboam wasn't asking. He wasn't saying, oh, King Rehoboam, if you would please do this for us. No, he was demanding these things. And so Rehoboam wanted to think on it. He sent the people away. He said, come back in three days and you will have my answer. So the second thing we see are two foolish choices. The first is that of Rehoboam. We hear of that in verses 5 through 14. The, the choice that Rehoboam faced was simple. To go easy or to go hard. To stay the course. To maintain the status quo. Or give the northern tribes what they asked for. And so he first consulted the elders. That would be a wise thing to do. Those old men who had served his father Solomon. Now Rehoboam was about 41 years old at this time. And he did well going to the elders for their advice. And they gave him their advice. Verse 7, if you'll be a servant to this people today and serve them and speak good words to them, when you answer them, then they will be your servants forever. If he spoke kindly to Jeroboam and the people, he could win them over. They would submit to his rule. As one commentator said, the old men counseled a, a course of godly humility, of servant leadership, and moderation in his exercise of, of power. Now we heard that and that did not please him. Verse 8 immediately tells us he abandoned their counsel and he said, well, let me go to these other men. Now who were these young men? Well, they're the young men that, Jer that Rehoboam grew up with. They were his guys. You know? They were the ones that he hung out with in high school and ran around with doing bad things or good things, whatever they did. And so he goes to them. And notice the advice that they gave to Rehoboam. Verse 10, Thus shall you speak to this people who said to you, Your father made our yoke heavy, but you lighten it for us. Thus you shall say to them, My little finger is thicker than my father's loins. And now, whereas my father laid on you a heavy yoke, I will add to your yoke. My father disciplined you with whips, but I will discipline you with scorpions. Now these were harsh words. They urged Rehoboam to give the northern tribes even harsher labor. They were telling Rehoboam to boast of the fact that he was bigger and a bigger man than his father. And that he would beat Jeroboam into submission. And so who did Rehoboam listen to? Well, he listened to those young men. He made his choice, and it was a, a foolish choice. They came back three days later, and he replied to them exactly as the young men told him to reply. 
I should have listened to the wiser, older men. It was a foolish choice that has lasted for centuries. But again, remember this. It is God in the background. It is God who is bringing all this about. God is going to use all this to accomplish his purpose for his people. And again, we are face to face with what? We are face to face with the great mystery of God's sovereignty and man's responsibility. Or as one commentator said, God's sovereignty and man's stupidity. Rehoboam was fully responsible for the decision that he made to make things worse rather than better. But then there's a second choice that we find in this passage. It is Jeroboam's foolish choice. And we find that in verses 16 or 15 and 16. So the king did not listen to the people. But again, it was a turn of affairs who brought it about. The Lord brought this about. God has said that Jeroboam would rule 10 of the 12 tribes of Israel. And now through the choice of Rehoboam, God, God's promise is coming true. Again, this is brought on by the deliberate will of Almighty God. In accordance with His perfect word. Charles Spurgeon, speaking on this passage, said this, God had nothing to do with the sin or the folly, but in some way which we can never explain, in a mysterious way in which we are to believe without hesitation, God was in it all. And He was. The Scripture tells us here in verse 15 that it was the Lord who brought this about. And the Lord, as He spoke by Ahijah the Shilonite to Jeroboam the son of Nebat, And so God's word came true through the word or the decision that Jeroboam made. A very simple decision, a very simple exclamation to your tents, O Israel. What was he saying? It is time to fight. It was a battle cry. It was an act of secession. The northern tribes were seceding from their union with the southern tribes. Israel in the north and Judah in the south would be a house divided. But it doesn't stop there. That's not even the, the saddest part of it. The saddest part are these words. What portion do we have in David? We have no inheritance in the son of Jesse. Look now to your own house, David. What was Jeroboam doing? He was rejecting the king that God had promised through the line of David. God had promised a savior king to come in the line of David. And with these words, Jeroboam and the ten northern tribes of Israel said, we have had enough of the line of David. We want nothing to do with him. And not only were they rejecting the house of David, but they were rejecting the way of salvation. They were rejecting the Christ. Now we know this and we will continue to see this as we advance in first and second Kings and first and second Chronicles and, and continue advancing in the Old Testament that there will 
always be those in those uh, ten northern tribes, some that will continue to worship the God of Israel. And that will look for that Savior King from the line of David. But as a nation, they were rebelling against God's true King. But then the third thing we see, again, as we have seen in previous passages, we see again this morning, and that is God's mercy and judgment. We see that in verses 17 through 24. Now we, we find in verses 17 and 18 that Rehoboam was not going to let the north go without a fight. And so he sent Adoram, the, the taskmaster, who was so hard on the north, he sent him, and, and what did they do? Well, they stoned him to death. Diplomacy is out the window. Rehoboam sees that. He gets into his chariot. He goes back uh, to Jerusalem, uh, and he recognized that his life was in danger. And so from that point forward, Rehoboam was going to be king of a diminished kingdom. And so he goes back, and what does he do? Well, he musters the troops, 180,000 chosen warriors from, from Judah and Benjamin to do what? To restore the kingdom to Rehoboam, the son of Solomon. He is going to take it back by force. And then God does what? He intervenes. It is here that we see God's mercy and judgment. You see, the divided kingdom was an act of judgment. It was an act of God's judgment, but God would not allow his kingdom to be destroyed. And so he summons Shemaiah, a prophet, and he gave him his word. Verse, verse 24, thus says the Lord, you shall not go up or fight against your relatives, the people of Israel. Every man return to his home for this thing is from me. God said, do not go and fight. This is my doing. This is my will. And so they listened. They did not go and wage war against the north. They went home again according to the will of the Lord. Now again, Shemaiah is a man that we have never heard of. And guess what? You will never hear of him again. He was a prophet. Again, listen to the words of, of Spurgeon. He comes and he goes, only fancy this one man constraining to peace 180,000 chosen men, warriors ready to fight against the house of Israel by giving them in very plain, unpolished words the simple command of God. And he gave that command and they heard it. And God, by his word, changed the course of history. I think for a moment if they had not listened, there would have been a civil war, a great war. Much blood would have been spilt. Many would have died. 
that God was not going to allow at this moment in history for his kingdom to be destroyed. For Israel to be destroyed in that way. Now what application can we make here this morning? Well, first of all, the word of God, as we see, it has the power to change the course of history. I think sometimes we doubt that. I think sometimes we, we, we don't think in biblical terms of, of history and what God is doing. We doubt that His very Word can change the course of history. But here we see it happening. And not only does it have, have the power to change the course of history, it has the power to change a man's life. That's the testimony of many of us here this morning. We heard the Word of God and we were changed by the Spirit of God and by His Word. The Word of God is powerful. It is sharper than any two-edged sword. And when that Word goes forth, it accomplishes all that God has for it to accomplish. It never returns to God void without accomplishing exactly what God has intended. Now, as we doubt sometimes that the Word of God can change the course of history, I think we also doubt sometimes that the Word of God can change men and women and children. You see that in many churches today that have forsaken what? The simple preaching of the Word of God for, for plays, for entertainment. They say, oh, that's too old-fashioned. It will never work. But yet we see it working this morning. God uses His Word to change men. And we should all be thankful for this today. For many of us were living for ourselves rather than to serve the kingdom of God when God intervened in mercy in our lives. And He saved us. A second, we see Jeroboam in the northern Kingdom rejecting God's king and God's salvation, but God would not be thwarted. As we have seen this morning, all that transpires in our text is from God. And it was all part of his plan. Because in his timing, God did what? He sent forth his king, the one greater than David, the one greater than Solomon, the one greater than all the kings of Israel in the north and all the kings of of Judah in the south, the Lord Jesus Christ from the tribe of Judah. And God, in sending His Son from Judah, from the line of David, what did He do? He kept His word. Yes, Israel is at the point of going to war against one another, but God intervenes and He stops it and He's going to keep His word. He's going in His time to send Christ. From the house and the line of David to redeem his people from their sins. Now Jesus was and is a completely different kind of king. You remember what he said in Mark 10 verse 45 that he came not to be served, but to serve. And to give his life as a ransom for many. You see, our King, the Lord Jesus, He came to give of Himself. 
to give that final sacrifice for sin. And Jesus kept serving all the way to the cross where He offered His life for our sins. And He suffered the penalty that we deserve. And we see that and we hear of that. And that brings us to the third point. The life and death of Jesus. That is the pattern for our service in the kingdom of God. Jesus calls us to live the way that He lived. To lead the way that He led. And what will we do with those opportunities that God gives to us? In His kingdom. You see, we are called to be servants. We are called to serve our King, Christ. We are called to be servants for the sake of the King who died serving us. And so as we come to the table this morning, we should come with a servant's mindset. It's not about us, it is about Jesus. It's about serving Him and His kingdom. It is about promoting His glory and His kingdom and not our own. And so we can only do that as we know Christ in faith. And so, do you know Christ this morning in faith? Have you turned from your sins and trusted solely in Jesus and Him alone for salvation If so, thank God for that this morning because that was His will and His doing in your life, not your own. But if not, then may He who is King of kings and Lord of lords, He sends out a command to you today that you come and bow before Him and you confess Him as Lord and Savior as you turn from your sins. It is not a suggestion. It is a command of Almighty God through Jesus Christ. Do not reject the house of David. Do not reject the king that came from the line of David. For if you do, you will end up like Jeroboam, as we will see next week. Who was no different than Solomon, and even took it a step further than Solomon in his idolatry. When he built his own golden calves. And fell down and worshipped them. Oh, you fall down and worship Christ. Come to Him in faith. And as we come to the table, may we do so in thanksgiving, giving God all the glory and the thanks for saving us. For redeeming us by that King that is greater than all the kings of Israel and Judah combined, greater than David and Solomon, and that is the Lord Jesus. May God add His blessing to the reading, hearing, and preaching of His Word. Let us pray. Father, we thank You this morning for Your Word and pray that You would cause us to understand and may we see Jesus as that King who, whom You sent from the house of David, from the line of David to save Your people. I pray for any here this morning that at this moment, they do not know Christ, neither are they known by, by Christ. That you would, would change their hearts, Father. That you would change them and bring them to Christ by your Spirit. That they would cry out unto the Lord for salvation as they turn from their sin and be saved. 
And oh Lord, as we turn now to Your table, as we see invisible elements, the King of kings and the Lord of lords dying, giving Himself, serving us, that we serve Him all of our days. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.